0: But what is going on, Bills Mafia? Welcome into the bye week, week seven of the NFL, into the overreaction. This isn't a post-game show. We are back to the feeble overreaction podcast title of the show. But welcome into the overreaction, Bills Podcast, brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I'm your host. My name is Joe Miller. I'm the voice of the overreaction sports podcast. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Joe Miller Wired and Ready or Not on this Sunday evening. Going to drop on Monday morning. We're here. We are here. It is the bye week. We've had, uh, as, as I'd like to have said, three weeks of sliding the fat kid up to the buffet table on Sundays between the Sunday night primetime Bills game two weeks ago against the Chiefs. Then last week, the Monday night primetime game against the Titans, boo. And then this week with the bye week, we have slid up and we have fed. We have feasted on NFL football in the last couple weeks. And I'll be honest with you, if you are not at this point uh, wholly aware of every other team in the NFL, I'm going to ask you, what are you doing? Because you've had the opportunity to scout just about every opponent the Buffalo Bills are going to have. And I don't mean necessarily during the season. You should be looking at the playoffs, hopefully. But before we get to that, whether this podcast finds you a round a cup of coffee at the gym with your AirPods in, on the drive to work, or watching me live right now, let me just say one more time, welcome. It's good to have you. Those of you that are, have found me on this bye week and uh, you are not overreacting to anything, save a couple game results from the day and i'll go through those here in a second it's good to have you it's good to have you join me it's good i know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be looking for content on monday and tuesday and it is not a victory monday or tuesday it's a bi-week monday and a bye week tuesday just like well i guess last week was not well we won't talk about last week we'll just move on from that But for all of you in the chat section, I do appreciate you being there. Please do me a favor, whether you are on Facebook, uh, Twitter now, because Periscope, I think, is dead, uh, or YouTube, please like and subscribe. Also, I am Super Chat Live, so if you want to get my attention, please do me a favor and Super Chat me. It doesn't have to be a lot. It'll just make it highlighted and bold. I'll see it. I'll ask the question. I'll read your comment, whatever it is. But I'm going to do my best to get you guys out of here relatively quick. There's a good football game on right now. And uh, it is a bye week after all, so this is where I want to start, and it's basically with Dawson Knox. Now, Dawson Knox, it's reported as has had surgery on his hand, albeit I'm not exactly sure which hand he has had surgery on. Now, the picture came out this past week, and basically, he was it was it was him throwing the football, shot putting the football with his right hand, and then he was holding the number one sign. <laughs> The vulgar number one sign with his left hand, which made me question which hand was broken. Who throws the football? And I don't know if you can see me on YouTube or not, but who throws the football like this? Dare I say I played baseball and I played football and I never threw a baseball or a football with my middle finger up. So I'm not sure. And I don't know if anybody knows in the chat which hand was actually broken, but. Dawson Knox is going to miss three actual games, four weeks total with the bye. That's this week. And then he should be back. Which actually poses an interesting question. And that question is, who's going to play tight end for this football team? For, for For those of you that don't know, Jacob Hollister is in Jacksonville. And he's actually putting together quite a season. Which basically means that, you know, we've got Sweeney. And I'm not a Gilliam could probably move to tight end. We saw Gilliam as a tight end last year, but with Dawson knocks out, that puts us in a not great situation, but we are going to finally get a decent look at senior stash, which is Tommy Sweeney. He's been rocking that mustache for a couple of years now. And last year he had the relatively big bout with COVID, which I don't want to say almost ended his career, but there was some definite concern about whether or not he was going to be able to continue his career. He had the uh card. I can't pronounce it, the medical words, whatever that thing is about the heart, which a lot of people are even still getting. I think sometimes now with whether you get COVID or not, or the VAX or yada, yada, yada. I don't want to get into all that stuff, but I'm just glad that he healed up, but we're going to be missing Dawson Knox. And if somebody could tell me, And I don't see it. If anybody knows which hand, it says he landed on his left hand. Triggs says that. If that's the case, I don't understand why a former quarterback threw the football the way that he did to Josh Allen, which that's a whole other conversation when you think about the fact that the Bills have thrown, or I should say Josh Allen has caught three, count them, one, two, three touchdown passes of which the Buffalo Bills have lost all three games. The Buffalo Bills have also thrown Josh Allen one two-point conversion in that Titans game. The Bills lost that game, so I'm of the opinion that the Buffalo Bills should never throw Josh Allen a pass ever again, because it's just not going well. <laughs> I kid, but I'm kind of serious at the same time. But Dawson Knox is going to miss three games. At least that's what's reported. It could be two. People put in there that it, it could be two. We'll see. Myocarditis. Thank you, Joseph Hanover. Myocarditis. It's it's one of those where to it go. It's one of those words where like. If you don't have it in front of you, saying it is just, unless you're a nurse or a doctor or an MA or something in the medical field, it's just not one of those words that like hangs around your brain too much, right? Before I get into the topic of what we're going to discuss in this podcast, I want to jump over to today's results, or I should say this week's results, because frankly, they're important. Thursday night, the Browns beat the Broncos, and I will be honest with you, I was amazingly impressed with that Browns win over the Broncos, not because they were playing the Broncos, but more about the fact that they didn't have Baker Mayfield, they didn't have Kareem Hunt, and they didn't have Nick Chubb. Imagine the Buffalo Bills beating, let's call it, the Broncos, or pick a team like the Broncos, the Colts. Oh, The Colts might be a little better than the Broncos, but even if we just said the Broncos, imagine the the Bills rolling out on Thursday night, And beating the Broncos without Josh Allen, without Stephon Diggs, and pick another member, Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders. The Browns legitimately beat the Broncos without their three best players. And I'm including OBJ in that because as much as there's a lot of people that are fans of OBJ and would consider taking OBJ on this roster, I would not not in a second, in my opinion, OBJ has not been good for a couple of years. He's been often injured. And frankly, drops a lot of footballs. I might take Landry, aside from the Aaron Williams stuff that, you know, and the grudge that we hold on him for that. But the Browns beat the Broncos, which, you know, that's a team we've got to be concerned about. The Titans today beat the Chiefs 27 to 3. I don't know what's I don't know what's going on in Kansas City. The wheels legitimately come off in Kansas City to the point that Andy Reid is now saying in his press conference that I'm seeing things from a defensive standpoint that I've never seen before. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how it's possible to confuse Andy Reid outside of the fact that he's just saying stuff to potentially make up for Patrick Mahomes. But as Bruce Nolan so uh, eloquently tweeted today, Maybe there's something to dropped interceptions and the future being predictive when it comes to Pat Mahomes because, because Patrick Mahomes has had a ton of dropped interceptions over the last couple of years, and now they're not being dropped, which makes you have to wonder, right? But the Titans are now basically the class of the AFC, and I loved what Drew Brees said on football night in America, he said that regardless of the Titans, the Buffalo Bills were a good set of seven cleat spikes away from beating the Titans in primetime last week. And he still believes that the Buffalo Bills are the class of the AFC. I have to agree with him, not just because I'm a Bills fan, but because the Bills are clearly playing the best football out of any, any AFC team that's playing right now. Regardless of that, you have to expect that we're going to see the Titans again at some point. In the future, hopefully in Buffalo. I say that with a little bit of confidence just because our schedule is very easy. The Chiefs are, I don't want to say they're all but cooked. But that Raiders team looks really good. That Chargers team looks really good. And if there's one of those three teams, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, that I want to see in Buffalo in January it's not the chiefs why because i lived in missouri and frankly regardless of the amount of times the buffalo gets called siberia let me tell you something assuredly it's freaking cold in kansas city in the winter time really cold the vegas raiders are in the desert playing in a dome and the chargers are in balmy los angeles regardless i i don't see a path to the playoffs i could be wrong for the Chiefs. So we're definitely going to see the Raiders or the Chargers. And then at some point, we're going to see the Titans, is my guess. And the Titans are a frustrating matchup for this football team for the Buffalo Bills. But the Titans have cruised on to being, I think, the number one team in the AFC. With a 27-3 to victory over the Chiefs. Packers beat the Washington Redskins. No big surprise there. The Bengals beat the Ravens. Can you say... Thank you one more time (laughs) to the Bengals as the Bengals drop the Ravens. That Ravens team is a mystery to me, and I'm not going to hang here long, but the Ravens team is a mystery to me because they seem beatable at times, but at other times they they seem amazingly dominant. But if the Bengals can put a 40-burger on them, you got to wonder what the Bills could potentially do to them. Giants beat the Panthers the Falcons in a very close game. What is wrong with the Atlanta Falcons? Beat the dolphins who are one of the worst teams in football. Clearly we're not going to hear much from them outside of when either Brian Flores gets fired or they trade for Deshaun Watson. And it was well stated or reported tonight on uh football night in America by Mark, Mike Florio, that, uh, the NFL has not addressed the Deshaun Watson has not addressed the Deshaun Watson thing at this point because they haven't had to. The Texans are not playing him. They've got him basically on paid leave. Once he gets to a point where Deshaun Watson potentially could return to the football field, then the NFL is going to have to address the 10 criminal charges against him and the countless number of civil cases against him. Even if the Dolphins trade for Deshaun Watson, I don't expect them to A, be a contender, B, actually have Deshaun Watson suit up for them in an actual football game. The last game of note that I'm going to talk about from this week is the, the Patriots, and I don't even know what to say. You know, Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. What glory is there, and he did this to us many times, what glory is there in under four minutes to go facing a backup quarterback for the entire second half, what glory is there in putting a 50-burger on the Jets? It's just, it's such a Bill Belichick douche thing to do. I'm Bill Belichick. And I'm going to keep putting points on you until you can stop me. Like, what is even the point of that? Why do that? Where is the respect? Where is the, I don't even know what the word is. Where is the, the the, just the respect for your opponent, the honor in, in the game? This isn't college. We're not playing for standings. The Patriots suck. Regardless, nobody's gonna come into Monday and be like in all of the, the 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 highlight shows be like, oh, look out for the Patriots. They put 50 on the Jets. But this is something that Bill Bellishmuck has done his entire career, specifically against us, Bill's mafia and the Buffalo Bills. I don't get it. Is he home right now with a bigger boner because he put 50 on the freaking Jets? Like, what are we talking about? It was the Jets, bro. And you took two low shots at their quarterback and knocked him out of the football game and then placed, played a dude for the entire second half that probably doesn't even deserve to be in the NFL. Congratulations. You put 50 on the Jets. Woo-hoo. The sooner the NFL is rid of Bill Belichick and his quote-unquote coaching tree, which doesn't exist because he has not developed a single human that can coach a football team under his leadership. I'm talking to you, every single uh, offensive and defensive assistant that has played for Bill or that has coached for Bill Belichick and gone on to basically suck in the NFL. I I don't want to... The sooner the NFL is rid of Bill Belichick, the better off we'll be. I'm wholly convinced at this point that the the Patriots' success, aside from Bill Belichick being the quote unquote defensive genius that he probably is, the Patriots the Patriots' success is largely and is due to a 400 year old man playing quarterback in Tampa that's still doing it in Tom Brady. My level of disdain. For those two gentlemen, has gone from I hate them both to I kind of like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is just a giant schmuck. I'm just, I mean, literally, he's just not, he's not, he's not a great human. Is it wrong for me to say that, that he's not a great human? He's just not a great human. Raiders beat the Eagles. The Raiders look good. Rams beat the Lions in a very tough football game. A lot of crazy plays. Buccaneers beat the Bears, of course. Cardinals beat the Texans. I'm not sure what to make of the Cardinals yet. They haven't really, to my knowledge, played anybody great. Colts are currently beating the... or The Niners are currently beating the Bears 12-7. to <laughs> Weird score. So that was around the league. So the Buffalo Bills are... In the thick of it, the Buffalo Bills are in a situation where you know we're talking about what it's going to take, right? And that and th- and this brings me to what I want to talk about in this show, and I'm not going to keep you much longer. It's gonna be a short show for the bye week, but when you think about what the Buffalo Bills are, who they are, what they've become, how far they've come in the last. Three, four years. I, I had the pleasure of doing a couple different shows over the la- over this week uh, during the bye week. A couple shows that weren't my own. I got asked to be a guest. And I get asked to be a guest a lot. But these were some fun shows that I got to do. One of them was a Patriots show by my buddy Griff. And the other one I can't place right now. And I apologize. I just can't place it. But uh, in both situations, they talked about how fast Brandon Bean turned over this roster. And how good this football team has become, how fast. Right? And no, Pam Madonna, as she says, maybe Joe has had a couple, a few drinks. No, this is my first one of the entire day. And this is just tradition. I have to pour myself a small glass of bourbon <laughs> for the show because Bill's Mafia has gotten to the point. The overreaction fans, if there is such a thing, hashtag Wildest Dreams Land fans, I've gotten to the point where they expect a little bourbon. Tonight, I'm drinking three-cord. But where was I going? Pamadonna. Dang it all. (laughs) He got me off my point. (laughs) Anyways, going back to uh, what I was trying to talk about. The Buffalo Bills are in a situation, they're in a position now where they are no longer the overlooked team. We spent, oh, that's what it was. I was talking about how fast the Bills turn over this roster, how, how fast they, you know, was it one of the, one of the questions I was asked was, was this the fastest roster turnaround in NFL history? To which I said, you know, I don't know, maybe. And it all depends on results because if you're, if you're asking me, If this was the fastest, most successful roster turnaround in NFL history, and these were not Bill's podcasts I was on, you have to consider what the results are. And when I say that, you look at a team like the Washington football team that bought teams several times. The Eagles bought a team once. There were several times in history where teams bought. The only time that an NFL football team went out and kind of bought a team was effectively kind of sorted the Bucks last year and then actually won a Super Bowl. Normally that doesn't work. So you turn the roster over, but it's not successful like in any stretch of the word. Meanwhile, the Brandon Bean has gone through this process of drafting guys and finding good character guys and finding good culture guys. Sean McDermott has done a very good job of just developing culture and making sure that culture is first because as what has said, been has been said many times, culture Trump strategy Every day of the week, and I know that a lot of people don't believe that, but it's true. You can have the best strategy in the world, but if you got a bad culture, you're not going to win versus great culture produces great results. So the Bills have done a very good job of turning this roster over. So far, it's been somewhat successful, but the Bills are no longer, as we would say, overlooked. By that, I would tell you that they are the hunted on every single schedule i was floored a couple weeks ago when i was on a kansas city chiefs podcast and he said to me that the the host that was interviewing me said when the schedule came out we circled the bills game and i was like hold up bro whoa (laughs) wait 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 time out time 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 out for a second you're a chiefs fan you won the super bowl two years ago you went to the Super Bowl last year. And the game you circled when the when the schedule came out was the Bills game? My mind was blown. Blown. Because let's be honest, Bills Mafia, we don't think about the Bills that way. We don't we don't perceive the Buffalo Bills outside of the AFC East as the team that other franchise fans other team's fans schedule on the calendar, or circle on the calendar, rather. We don't see ourselves that way, but that's who we are. And I'm not necessarily sure that that is sunk in at one Bill's drive amongst the 53 guys that are on this roster currently. They are the circled game. Every single week, the Buffalo Bills are the circled game on somebody's roster. They are the measuring stick. They are the team that the Jets are going to come out and be like, let's see how good we are. They're the team that the Titans are going to come out and say, "Say, let's see how good we are. They're the team that the Chiefs are going to come out and find out. Let's see how good we are. Still. The Chiefs are bad. Newsflash. The Chiefs are a bad football team. The Titans are an interesting football team because they seem to play to the level of their opponent. They lost to the Jets. They beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. Curious. This football team, the Buffalo Bills, they're going to have to learn how to get punched in the face, right? Because they're going to come in with a game plan and whoever they're facing is going to be so amped up to play them. There is no world where the Bills are on a schedule and they're the team we're playing this week and the opponent is like, meh, it's just another game. They're going to have to figure out how to get punched in the face and counter effectively against whatever it is that they're seeing. And I think that's where this coaching staff and this team might be lacking just a little bit. We've seen it at times. We have seen the Buffalo Bills coaching staff. Primarily, the, the biggest example I have is the Pittsburgh Steelers game from last year. The Steelers were doing some good things against the Bills, and they were holding the Bills down. It was not going well for Buffalo. Then the Buffalo made some. Then Buffalo made some uh, offensive adjustments. Right, put Daryl Williams on an island with T.J. Watt, double team Cam Hayward, and all of a sudden, there was a couple other things, looks that Josh Allen found, and the Bills were able to basically pound the Steelers into the dirt. The Bills haven't done that well yet this year. And the Bills coaching staff is going to have to learn to be organic and morph as the game plan sees fit for the rest of this season because every single week teams are going to try to duplicate what the Titans have done and add their little bit of a spin to it if they can. And they're going to come out a little bit bit extra energetic. What does it mean when... A garbage football team or a mediocre football team beats the juggernaut. It means a lot. They're going to get run on Good Morning Football. They're going to get run on NFL Live. They're going to get rung on ESPN first take. They're going to get in the press. Their names are going to get called. If you intercept Josh Allen for a pick six, if you sack Josh Allen three times, if you stop the Buffalo Bills and their vaunted offense. It's gonna mean something on Monday morning. When you look at NFL history, the Patriots have done this the best. How many times have we kicked dirt on the Patriots? They've come out one and three, oh and two, two and four, blah, 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 blah. Whatever that is. And, And like all of us in the NFL are like, they're done. They're cooked. It's over. Patriots dynasty is over. We finally seen it. Brady's going to retire. I think the first time we did that was like 7 years ago. <laughs> Brady won a Super Bowl last year. But there was just something about that football team for years and years when Brady was there that being down or being out whether it was in a game or in a stretch of a, of games during the early part of the season their relentless pursuit to win it all at all costs always brought them back to Ws. I I can't tell you how many Bills-Patriots games I've been in where the Bills had a lead, went into halftime with a lead, whatever, and then basically switched it up, threw Gronk on the outside wide, started feeding Gronk the football. Next thing you know, we lose by 10. They adjusted. They learned to adjust. And when you're talking about this, and I'm almost done with this show. It's a measure of coaching. I titled this show, I believe, Culture. What was it? It was it was Culture. Uh, oh, man, I got to look back now. Uh, the, uh, culture, character, confidence, right? That's what it's going to take. It's going to take culture. It's going to take character. It's going to take confidence. It's a measure of coaching. It's a piece. It's a pie. You know, we, we hear Bruce, Bruce Nolan talk all the time about pearl, uh, per, <laughs> I can't, I can't even say that we're per, per, perla, pearl, pearl, pie. <laughs> I'm getting tongue-tied tonight, big time. Perla, plurality pie, that's that's the word, the phrase, plurality pie, right? So a pie that's made up of plural things. It's a measure of coaching, it's a measure of culture, it's also a measure of confidence. By the way, getting tongue-tied is one of those things that I don't have the luxury inside of a live show to correct. The reason you listen to podcasts and they're like perfect <laughs> and they're spot on is because when somebody gets to the point where they can't say plural plural, oh, whatever that word is, plural, plurality pie, when they can't say it, they stop the show, they say they edit it, they delete the part, and then they say it right and then they continue. I don't get that luxury. You guys are on this train with me. This is live. It's a live program. Plurality pie. I've never said that word, that phrase before. And it's, uh, I've heard it said a thousand times because I listened to Bruce's show, including last week, when he was talking about it with uh, Joe Marino. But I'm having, tr- struggling with it a little bit tonight. Funny stuff. I can still say aluminum. That's a joke. It's a measure of coaching, it's a measure of culture. Thank you, Padden. Plurality. plural now that i see it just like myocarditis now that i see it in writing it's easy to say Plurality. but when i am just out there on a limb on my own not quite so much i love you guys You, the people in the chat for those of you that listen to this on monday tuesday you need to be live with me on sundays because <laughs> it's a freaking blast I love my my rider dies. You guys are all my rider dies. I love my rider dies. It's a measure of coaching. It's a measure of culture. It's a measure of confidence. But it's also sometimes sheer willpower. When you think about those teams that have been that way, that realize they're the hunted and they've gone after it. When you're the Patriots teams, the, the Cowboys teams in the nineties just teams that have been good, the 49ers teams, one or two players are always stepping up and taking over a game. And, it, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's not necessarily always the guy you expect. Oh, Tom Brady better step up here. Well, no, it might be somebody else. It might be a running back. It could be a linebacker. It could be a defensive end. It could be a defensive back. There's a level of confidence that comes from the culture and the character within the the, the locker room where somebody's like, no, we're not going down like this. This team is not going to beat us. I don't care how hyped up they are to play us. I don't care how much they think they're going to measure up against us. This team is not going to beat us, and I'm going to make sure. And I'll be honest with you, as good as this defense is, as good as this offense is, I haven't yet seen that really in either of those two games where, a single player has kind of taken over. Well, we need to give them a chance. Well, sure we do. Of course, we need to give them a chance. But one or two players stepping up and taking over a game, outside of it being Josh Allen, outside of it being Stefan Diggs, sometimes you need a guy to Takeover that you don't expect, a Taron Johnson, a Levi Wallace. Dare I say a Matt Milano, an Ed Oliver, right? A Devin Singletary, a Zach Moss. We saw Gabe Davis kind of do it in that Colts game in the playoffs last year when he was tiptoeing the sidelines all over the place. I don't want to say he took over the game, but there was a moment there before the second half or before before the first half ended that he was very much kind of taking over the game. The Colts couldn't stop him. They couldn't keep him from t- towing the sideline. And he changed the outcome of that football game. The Bills need players that aren't named Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs to begin affecting and changing the outcome of the game when they're in situations where they're meeting a team that's geared up, gunned up, and ready to play them. Culture, character, Confidence. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to call out our quarterback just for a moment. Just for a moment. When you're talking about these football teams, when you think back, and nobody knows better than us, Bills Mafia, because he's been in our division for a bazillion years. When you think back to Tom Brady, and they were in several lost game stretches, or they were in a situation where they were down, even Pat Mahomes, you can talk about Pat Mahomes. When you think about Tom Brady, an MVP doesn't panic and go for it all or try to go for it all in one play, much like we saw him do during with, against the Titans in the second-to-last series of that football game. Twice. He tried to get it all back in one play. Twice. You know, you know what Tom Brady would have done in that situation? Tom Brady would have recognized we're up. I think it was a touchdown. We're up by a touchdown. A two-possession game at this point puts it out of reach. So even if that's a field goal, Tom Brady would have walked on the field and been like, there's nine minutes and 45 seconds left. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take nine minutes off the clock, and I'm going to kick a field goal and punch you in the throat. And it would have worked. And you know what's hard for me to swallow is the fact that the Buffalo Bills, this Buffalo Bills team, Could have done just that. They get a walked out there second to last series with 9.45 left on the clock and literally just ran off four-yard play after four-yard play after four-yard play after four-yard play, play, marched down into field goal range, kept the clock rolling, and with two minutes left on the clock, kicked a field goal, two-possession game, two minutes left, game over. Instead, what does Josh Allen do? He drops back, gets sacked. Second and 17, drops back, forces a ball, 60 yards downfield into double coverage. And then third and 17, basically throws it away on a duck, a wounded duck, punt the ball. It came down and scored on you. I think they were up by six. That that was a one-point lead, right? That point did a one-point lead. I don't remember the scores exactly. Jessica Tennis comes in with a super chat. Jessica, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thinking the Bills are improving the lines during the bye week and installing the offense for the rest of the year, Josh needs to trust the team also. I agree with you. I love this. So for me... Clearly, offenses and what might be what might be hurting the Chiefs right now is they haven't uh, morphed, they haven't grown, they haven't become something other than they what what they were three years ago. So defensive defenses have caught up to them and basically have learned how to shut them down. The Bills have done that. You're seeing you don't see plays for, in 2020 that you saw in 2019. You don't see plays this year that you saw in 2020. Like the Bills are always progressing, always trying to do something different, always trying to be better. So I agree with you. However, inside of that, I think there's a measure of game planning for the year strategically that this Bills team does. I say that because before the Chiefs game, the Bills came out and they put, I think it was 13 different offensive formations for the run game on film for the Chiefs to deal with, which affected the Chiefs and their game plan. But Josh does need to trust the team. And that literally, Jessica, is what I was just talking about. Peyton says, Josh was solid overall. Everyone has bad moments. Josh was solid overall. I'm not, I'm not saying Josh wasn't solid. Josh was 75% completions and threw for, what was it, 343 yards and two touchdowns or three touchdowns? And the one interception he threw, he was tackled when he threw it. It wasn't even necessarily his fault. I'm not, I'm not I'm I'm not going macro on Josh. Macro Josh played well. Micro Josh, if we want to break it down, Peyton, that game is over. That game is over. That second to last series if he marches the football team down and kicks a field goal. Game is over. An NFL MVP doesn't panic and go for it all in one play or two plays or one series. An MVP understands the game situation and will slowly, methodically bleed you until the clock hits zero. Unless he drops back in a five-step drop and Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, whoever it is, is streaking down the sideline and is 60 yards downfield by himself, which we see Aaron Rodgers do all the time. What does Aaron Rodgers do? He hits him. But it generally reveals itself in not having to force the football down the field. Josh Allen sometimes, and he has said it. This isn't, I'm not making something up, and I'm not bashing Josh. I'm just, I'm just telling you what we're going to need to see from Josh in order to get us to where we want to go, which is hashtag wildest dreams land, the Super Bowl with a victory josh has told you there's many times where i wanted it all i wanted it all and i just i was i was trying to get it all right there i shouldn't have done it i should have taken what the defensive was giving me that second to last possession in that chiefs game was that moment legit that moment and what we need to have happen is a recognition because there's a trust and a respect level between Brian Dable and Josh Allen that is probably like no other. When you listen to Emmanuel Sanders beam about Brian Dable and these other offensive players and how much they love him, Josh Allen falling into his arms when his grandma died, Brian Dable falling into Josh's arms when his grandma when when, when Brian's grandma died, there's a trust level there. If Brian Dable can talk to Josh Allen in his helmet up until 15 seconds, there's a moment where Brian Dable has to go, "Josh, don't go deep just take whatever they give you a field goal wins it josh drops back gets sacked because he's looking downfield it's second down john or josh i told you don't go deep just take the stuff in the flat get five yards here a field goal wins it right and I'm just not sure, I, I understand the trust level. I, I understand that there's a trust level for Josh with his coaching staff. Josh is the leader of the team. Josh is the quarterback. Josh has proven himself. But that doesn't necessarily mean that sometimes we don't need our mentor, our best bud, somebody to grab us by the shoulder pads and just be like, you know what? To Jessica Tennis's point, trust us. Trust the rest of the rest of the team. You don't have to do this on your own. We're all in this together. Take four yards, take four yards. Even even if it takes seven minutes to get down the field, kick the field goal, walk out of here a winner, culture, character, confidence. The Buffalo bills are going to have to rely on their culture. They're going to have to use their character and they're going to have to play with confidence, even if they're down. Even if they're behind, even if they're being punched in the face by a football team like the Patriots or the Jets or the Colts or some other inferior football team, they're going to have to rely on the three things that got them to where they are. Culture, character, and confidence. Culture, character, and confidence. If they can do those three things, I think the sky's the limit. And I don't mean just for this year. If they can learn that this year there's a good chance they could be multiple Super Bowl winners. Pamodonna, Pamela in with a super chat. Salty Joe, you should have another drink. I'm not salty. (laughs) Who do you see this season as the toughest team we will beat and uh, and the not-so-tough team we could lose to? So the not-so-tough team we could lose to is clearly the Patriots. The Patriots are always going to be difficult for this football team to beat, um, and we still have to play them twice. Hardest team we're going to play? The Buccaneers. I don't care what anybody it was on Twitter today are the Rams and I forget who else are the Rams and somebody else like the best team in the AF the number one, number two teams in the uh, NFC. I'm like, uh, the Buccaneers are still in the chat. The Buccaneers have not left the chat. The Bucs are still Oh, Green. It might've been Green Bay. I can't remember. The Buccaneers are still the best team in my opinion, in the, in the NFC. So the Bucs and I, and I'm, Hey, I get to go to that football game, which is really sweet. Bucks best team. We're going to face Patriots scariest team. We're going to face. Twice, going to face him twice, twice. <laughs> Jessica says, I'm, I, I'm guessing you're saying I'm salty. I'm definitely not salty. I Am I still wearing that loss to the Titans? Probably. I'm just trying to give you guys a snapshot into what I think it's going to take to potentially get us to where we want to go. looking down at my phone here to see where this game is at. That was interference. I can't see the score yet, but uh, chug, chug, chug. You're funny. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been tuned into the Overreaction Bills podcast brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Miller, the voice of the Overreaction Bills podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Who is the Market Dominator? Well, the Market Dominator is my good friend, John Spazchek. John is a uh, a real estate broker with Keller Williams Realty. Uh, Keller Williams is the largest real estate uh, company in the entire world. The cool thing about John is he can help you not only in Western New York, but if you're looking to move outside of Western New York, if you're looking to move into Western New York, he can help you both ways. So he can help you sell your home if you're moving from North Carolina or you're moving from Texas, and he can help you get a home in Buffalo and vice versa. He can help you sell your home in Buffalo And they'll be purchasing a home wherever you're going, or wherever wherever it is that you're going. John considers himself a transition specialist, right? That's what he calls himself, a life transition transition specialist. And I would agree because I used John in a big point of transition in my own life in 2019 when we moved. My family and I moved from Columbus, Ohio, back to Buffalo. He opens doors through exceptional client care and education. John is the best if you're looking to buy a home. You want John and his team on your on your side. If you're looking to sell a home, maximizing the value of your home is the most important thing that you can possibly do in this crazy, insane market. Call John, 716-570-3298. The number again, 716-570-3298. You can reach him on email, yourelitebroker at gmail.com. John is also Bill's Mafia. You can find him on Twitter at yourelitebroker. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Overreaction Bills Sports Podcast. And uh, as always, I'm just super thankful that you guys have joined me. I cannot wait for the football game this weekend. Cannot wait. I cannot wait for this week. So the Off with John Fina show will return tomorrow, Monday at 9 p.m. Live. Drop us a podcast Tuesday. And then the Humpty Hotline will return Wednesday, 9 o'clock with myself and my bestie, Jay Spence the King, Wednesday at 9, and then drop us a podcast on Thursday. And then Food for Thought, or I should say Code uh, Code of Conduct is on Tuesday, Food for Thought on Friday with Bruce Nolan and Nate Geary. Time to shine Saturday, and then the Chop Up on Saturday as well, both pregame shows. But uh, I cannot thank you guys enough for hanging with me. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's bye week, and there's a whole bunch of people up in here and uh i'm gonna let you get back to this football game but uh as always love you guys appreciate you and uh we'll see you what i'll see you tomorrow right live right here right here all of you live right here with me and the craziest man i know john fina right here nine o'clock tomorrow love you guys go bills